I am Anthony Scaramucci, and you may know me from my career on Wall Street or my 11 days in the White House. They say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but I'll tell you, if you read books, you can. I love to read, and my new podcast, Open Book, is about just that. Each book is this curated source of knowledge, which we can buy for $10 and digest in 10 hours. Together with some of the brightest minds and authors out there, I'll turn the pages on everything from history and psychology to finance and tech. You can find Open Book with Anthony Scaramucci on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Hey, everybody. It's uh, Joe Trippy. Welcome back to that Trippy show with Alex Sashlow, my sidekick. Alex, we're 40 days till Inauguration Day for President Biden. So that must mean now well, everything's still going great, but a little crazy, right? Uh, unless you live in a Georgia media market, right? <laughs> so uh, first, first, right away, we should get to it. We talked about Georgia. Thought last weekend was going to be pretty big with the debate uh, and Trump coming down there. And I think we we saw that uh, President-elect Biden's heading down there. I think this weekend or the fifteenth. So I guess early next week. Uh, what's going on down there? Did did anything move? Uh, I don't think anything's changed my mind about it being a total turnout election uh, and. Nothing's changed my mind about the problems Republicans have and why Democrats, I think, have an advantage to replicate the turnout. I mean, look, Trump was Trump, right? He went down, he did grievance and stone elections, and uh, uh, they're ripping me off. And he did that for a good uh, ton of time and then spent uh, like, you know, two minutes talking about where he kind of mentioned Purdue and Loeffler. uh, But, uh, you know, nothing... I mean, you know, the Republican elected officials are still at war with the election officials, Republican election officials. It's like kind of crazy. And of course, Trump just added more of that. So I don't think that that changed anything. I thought the the debate was a little flat. It didn't really create a bunch of news uh, one way or the other for Warnock or or in any way that Leffler was hurt. So that, I think, was kind of a missed opportunity you know, but they may have prepped him not to have fireworks. Uh, so you don't, you don't know. But I, I was a little bit, you know, it was a national debate. Um, you really thought that I thought more news would come out of it. But, it, you know, and I was hoping that it would could be a disaster for Luffler. Uh, but that didn't really, it, it wasn't a disaster for anybody. You know, I still think Purdue, by not debating Osef, was a problem for him. Um, you know, it, it just, again, it's chicken Purdue uh, versus, you know, that strong thing that Trump voters in particular are attracted to. I mean, it's one of the reasons they've been attracted to Donald Trump and follow him and want to, you know, drain the swamp, whatever that means to those folks. But, uh, you know, again, you'd think Luffler and Purdue are swamp creatures with their, uh, and even more now, uh, uh, I guess Purdue now has another one where he's sold his house in Washington or something way above value, um, that's come oh, out. Was it, was it to a lobbyist? I hope yeah, it was to a lobbyist. Yeah, I think it was to a lobbyist. It was something, it, that it, sounds it, right. it's something that, that was very Purdue-like. So, I mean, I think there's, look, I think the problems for Loeffler and Purdue are still there. They're still, you know, they're not going to become, they're lousy candidates. They're not going to become good candidates. They've got all kinds of baggage and you got Trump at war with the election results, even though he's lost now three counts. 
you know, so I, I just think that's still where things are there. I just don't see a lot of things happening. Do you see one of them running ahead of the other right now? Is there a possibility for a split here? Look, I don't really think so. It's un- really unlikely. Historically, it's been rare, really rare in this kind of situation in which there's been a split vote. Uh, in all, I think it's almost all of, there have been like eight or nine times in the history of the United States where this kind of situation came up and there were two Senate seats up in the state at the same time. And in every single one of those uh, circumstances, or in just about every single one, I may be missing one, one party won both seats. Uh, now that, look, that doesn't mean that, you know, somebody can win on the Republican side by 20,000 votes and one of them could lose by 5,000. In other words, it could just be kind of like that kind of dead heat finish where you do get a split, but it'd be like that kind of accidental split. I think the reality is the party that turns out its vote, uh, you know, that has an advantage in turnout will probably win both seats. And that's why I still think we have an excellent shot uh, at winning both of them. Again, Stacey Abrams, Fair Fight, Action, the other, the, the two campaigns, their organization, um, that that a lot of that has been building for ten years, and um, on the Republican side, there really isn't much of a, a in-state organizational uh, structure, mostly because they never needed one, right? They they've been winning right. elections for the most part uh, just by be, having an R next to their name, uh, and you have a Republican Party, it, it, you know, with a little, literally a civil war, and and. And, you know, Trump lawyers uh, urging Trump voters not to vote for these two because they haven't done enough to overturn the election for the the president. I, you know, I still think in the end, Democrats have an advantage. Republicans are have weak candidates and no organizational structure. And even within that, what structure does exist, they're fighting with each other. So I still think, uh, you know, that that's where. Uh, things are going. And I still think that's Democrats not only have an advantage, but that's why listeners, you know, keep helping. Um, send help to to, to fair fight uh, action. Um, I, I think bec- the reason I say that, uh, I think it's great if you give it, give to the candidates too. But I think um, because this is going to be organizational and is going to be turnout, fair fight action may be the, the best bang for the buck uh, if you have a few bucks to chip in, that's where I'd, I'd go for it. You know, I think I know the answer before I ask this, but is there anything out there right now that could potentially tip this one way or the other? I mean, if you're, if you're both sides, what are you, what are you hoping for? Cause by all accounts, it's really close. Well, I think if you Democrats, you keep hoping that Republicans keep fighting with each other over the, the stolen or not, you know, you know, not overturned election. Um, and that Luffler and Purdue have to keep, you know, straddling that line, um, which I think makes them both look kind of wishy-washy, not acceptable to the Trump, you know, diehards. The, those rural voters that turned out in Georgia in record numbers, uh, they I still believe they came out and voted for Trump because he was on the ballot. He's not on the ballot. Um, I still think there are a lot of uh, uh, women, Republican women who voted for Biden and then lower down on the ballot voted for Luffler and Purdue because they're Republicans uh, and, and they wanted to stop Trump. They weren't comfortable with him, but uh, they wanted to do a check on on Biden. Do those voters turn out? Trump, you know, they, they don't have to fight Trump anymore. 
And with all this commotion about, you know, Loeffler and Purdue uh, now trying to outdo each other and, uh, and stick with Trump, uh, calling on the secretary of state to resign, all those kinds of things. Do those women actually feel like some urgent need to come out for them? So that could drop off. So I, look, I really do think that uh, there isn't anything, I don't think there's anything message wise. Uh, I think I've said this before. I think both sides could spend a billion dollars on television. Um, if we didn't learn that the hard way, that that doesn't matter. And I mean that with all the money in all these races that right. were spent on television, that didn't change the outcome in you know in, in a number of these Senate races. I just think it's all baked in the cake. It was a turnout election. Joe Biden turned out and Democrats turned out a record turnout for president. Trump turned out the second highest turnout for a candidate for president. And where he turned those people out, that cost a, a, a lot of the Senate seats. I was hoping that we would pick up. It cost uh, us some House seats, uh, clearly. Uh, and I still think that, you know, we haven't ever seen evidence that when Trump's not on the ballot, those folks come out. It didn't happen in 2017 with uh, Doug Jones. It didn't happen in 2018 and all those House seats that we picked up. Uh, it, it Obviously, it happened in 2016. It happened in 2020. He was on the ballot. So what happens on January 5th? He won't be on the ballot. Uh, I'm still betting that there will be a bigger drop off with those voters than with Democrats and what Stacey Abrams fair fight action and the Warnock and uh, Osef campaign are, are able to muster. You know, the one race that I think this week we saw a lot on Twitter, people keep going back to was the idea that uh, Susan Collins didn't really get hurt as much as we thought she would by not sticking with Trump. Obviously, she won by quite a bit, despite all the spending in Maine. Do you see any parallels there? And that could potentially help in Georgia, for mostly for Leffler. I don't think so. I mean, I think uh, Leffler has been a complete, you know, uh, pure Trump person um, uh, from the get-go. She, that's how she beat Collins. It was her and Collins desperately, you know, trying to, who, who who's better at pounding the the Trump uh, uh, agenda and in and the the Trump heartbeat, uh, and, and she grabbed it and and, uh, and won that uh, got herself in the runoff by doing that. I think that's pretty much in cement. I think she cemented that again when she uh, came out and asked uh, called for the Republican uh, Secretary of State to resign. Um, I don't think there's much middle ground there for her. Uh, you know, Collins did the opposite. Collins from the get go was almost if there was somebody who was going to defect on a key vote, it was Collins, right? And she did. Um, uh, And she just avoided all the Trump stuff by constantly being concerned and disappointed in him. (laughs) But but never, never really, you know, saddled up to him. Uh, So I don't think that worked at all. Also, look, Maine's a whole lot different than Georgia. I mean, Georgia, Georgia is, has been, a pretty dependable red state until very recently, uh, Maine swings back and forth all the time. And there's a fierce independent streak in, in Maine that I think may have worked to Collins's advantage uh, because of how she handled the Trump stuff. But I don't. there's no such thing um, in, in, in Georgia. Um, if, if it is, it's like two or three percent. So I don't think that's going to that's not, not where uh, Luffler can 
can, she can't count on that at all. So by the time we record our next episode next week, the Electoral College will finally have cast the votes. That's uh, next Monday, December 14th. That's the date when there's going to be no more debating anymore. Joe Biden's going to be president. And the only thing standing in his way at that point is the calendar. So is this when this thing finally ends? No, <laughs> no way. I mean, look, uh, Safe Harbor Day is done. Uh, the Electoral College will certify. Uh, the Supreme Court will uh, rule against uh, the latest craziness out of the Texas and, uh, I guess, 16 other age, uh, attorneys general and the, and the president uh, trying to, to overturn, you know, 20 million votes. Uh, there's no way that the Supreme Court's going for that. That's not going to happen. And so, you know, so what? The, all that happens and um, Georgia still isn't until January 5th. You know, I still don't see uh, before that uh, 50 Republicans in agreeing to turn the page, uh, uh, start calling uh, Biden president-elect and call for Trump to concede. They can't do that. Uh, they can't turn on him. Again, it goes back to what I was saying. Who's, you think those Trump voters in, in rural Georgia uh, are going to come out in droves uh, for a Republican Party that did that to their their cult leader? No way. So uh, and Georgia's isn't until January fifth. So they're not going to. I just don't think they're going to turn on him uh, then. I, I'm not even sure. I mean, you have uh, you still have uh, now members of Congress on the Republican side, uh, you know, talking about uh, you know trying to mount some kind of vote. Uh, uh, to overturn it in the House, uh, that's not going to happen either. That's like a total fool's errand, like everything else that they've tried. But, you know, Jim Jordan and Nunes and those guys are probably just crazy enough to try it uh, and they'll get voted down. But in, in the meantime, we don't even know to, to, to this moment how many of these Republicans, even on Inauguration Day, are actually going to show. And uh, they'll have some cover because of covid it's probably going to be a you know a, a more virtual uh, thing, so we may not know, or they may all be able to quote sort of be there. But I just don't think that's going to happen. I think uh, in the end, um, they all, every single one of them, has to worry about twenty twenty two, particularly in the House. And I don't think any of them are going to want to jeopardize their Trump support, uh, which is a huge still huge in face of all this, uh, usually favorable and approval of the president. Um, and I've said this before, that's the, that's the saddest thing about the election. The biggest, uh, the most depressing thing is that 74 million Americans wanted to do this for another four years. These Republican office holders know that number, know what it was in their district, and they're going to have to straddle that somehow. And I don't think it's going to be by showing up at the inaugural or calling um, Biden president-elect one second right. before they have to. And they may never have to. I mean, they may just right. well, always... Well, you got sort of, all these states suing right now. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, so I just don't see it. It's not going to end on um, after the Electoral College certifies. It's not going to end... Uh, I don't even think it'll end after Georgia. But I think you aren't going to see it. If it is going to happen, it's going to happen after January you know, 5th or 6th, right? They're... There's no way they're going to turn on him and start congratulating Biden and uh, and urging the president to do the right thing by conceding that that's just not going to happen before before the fifth. 
uh, and it may never happen. Joe, our next question is actually an audience question this week. It's from Michael in uh, my adoptive hometown of Melbourne, Australia. Good to have a listener from Australia. I love Australia. Great Me place. Too, man. So could there be, he asks, a make America great again or a yes we can that kind of replaces defund the police and keeps progressives and suburban swing voters both happy with voting for Dems for down ballot seats? I suspect if you could have answered this question last September, the Democrats would have run a whole bunch of money to our door. And the one thing I'd add, Joe, before you give your answer is I think there was some leaked audio from President-elect Biden today saying, basically acknowledging that Republicans beat the hell out of us. I think that's the exact quote with, with defund the police. Oh, no, they did. I mean, there's just no denying it. But, you know, look, look the fact is um, that... The, the best thing Democrats have going for them is Joe Biden being president, uh, because I think he can lower the temperature. Uh, but the fact is, look, the Republicans are a top-down party. It's, it is sort of this authoritarian thing uh, that it's become. But it's been, on, on message discipline, it's been like that for you know decades, where the word comes from on high, what the message is, and every single Republican on television, every single Republican on their tweet, every they they discipline, you know, bang that message and we keep repeating it. No, no matter how crazy it is, um, or just flat out wrong it is, they stick to it and they uh, and it comes from the top and it goes all the way down to the grassroots. They keep they amplify the message from the top. That's how Republicans work, uh, and that's why they're able. When you give them something like defund the police, man, they just go to town on it. Um, right. Democrats, uh, that's never going to happen. I mean, the only time it sort of happens is when you do have the presidency. That's why I think Joe Biden being president, uh, the, you know, the, when you have the presidency, that that party tends to, you know, essentially coalesce around the message that's coming out of the White House, uh, which is, you know, again, given the Republican Party's proclivities anyway, and then Donald Trump demanding a message from the White House, that bad, boom, they all fall in line. You, you know, it, it's like a, a message army just banging out the same message over and over again. On our side, that does happen when you have the presidency. It's, uh, there's a lot of reasons for it, right? The president can, um, if, if you if you push too hard one way or the other, he can veto it. Uh, he can make calls uh, in the House and the Senate to make sure that doesn't happen. Um, and you know, I mean, there's there's uh, there's a, a kind of a, 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 a you know a, a power uh, hub. Uh, that kind of is able to enforce a little bit more message discipline. But the fact is, Democrats aren't capable of it. I mean, we never have. Uh, we are so diverse, um, you know, go from Connor Lamb to AOC, you, you know, Manchin, you know, to to uh, uh, Ilan Omar, uh, to 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 uh, people like Ro Khanna, who may who, who's a, a incredible, uh, strong progressive, but also is more realistic, I think, uh, than a lot of them about right. uh, what can be done. But the problem is we listen to each other. Uh, they, they, we, we, we have more sides of an issue. So you can never really get anybody to agree on a, a slogan. And look at what happened with uh, defund the police. Uh, the more somebody else on the Democratic side was saying, well, you know, let's, let's reform the police. 
uh, or, you know, some other uh, way to say it. There were voices that said, no, it's, you know, we want to defund them. Uh, and, but, and then started to explain what defund the police really meant. Um, and, you know, at that point, you know, as I think Carvel said it, when you're explaining, you're losing. Uh, and I think that's just the way we are. Progressives will never agree on a slogan with moderates. It's just sort of, uh, we're just so diverse and we represent so many different uh, areas of the country. Uh, you know, the Republican Party's actually pretty monolithic. Look at those red states, Idaho. You know, I mean, you start going through them, you know, it, it, they're, they're much more homogenous and like each other uh, and alike, I mean. Um, and so when you have that and a party that takes the message from the top down and repeats it, um, and, you know, they're, they, it's easier for them to take slogans um, like MAGA and pump them out and also take things that we give them, uh, like defund the police, uh, that wasn't really effective, but they can turn it into effective uh, pain. Um, and, you know, yeah, Biden, if Biden said, stop saying it uh, now, maybe people will stop saying it. But uh, again, I just think it's, you know, we're not in a we're not in a party where the president of the United States orders the party around and everybody just falls in line. That's not how the Democratic Party works. Um, and so. You know, I'm not ordering anyone to stop saying defund the police, but I really would appreciate it. I'm sure uh, Joe Biden would, and I'm sure a lot of uh, candidates that will be fighting in uh, uh, battleground House uh, districts, and particularly in the Senate seats where we're going to have to try to defeat Republicans in more red states uh, or reddish states in 2022, would appreciate it as well. And, the, you know, the fact of the matter is uh, that. 2022 is now shaping up already to be a really perilous and important election for Democrats to win. Uh, we're barely holding on to the House right now. Um, hopefully we take the Senate by a seat uh, on January 5th. I, I think we can. But even with that, it's rickety. We have a one vote, you know, Kamala Harris breaking ties. Uh, we need to expand into these other areas and we need to win um, in places that we just haven't been winning. Joe, the other question we've been getting a lot this week, uh, a bunch of people have asked, so I'll just kind of all uh, lump them all together. But and knowing neither of us can really say anything groundbreaking, what do you make of the AG rumors? Look, I think uh, we're getting down to there's only three or four uh, major positions left uh, in the cabinet uh, to be announced. So we're getting, you know, I think probably getting really close to a decision. Um, but, you know, I, I can't, uh, look, I could say I'd love to see Doug Jones be the Attorney General of the United States. I think he'd be great. Uh, uh, I know how tenacious uh, he's been throughout his career, you know, going back uh, to when he was a U.S. attorney. Um, but, hey, you know, there's, there's one guy uh, who will make that decision. He's now the president-elect of the United States. Um, and uh, uh, I think, look, it's likely that that decision is coming down. It has to be coming down in the next week to 10 days, I would think, along with the other two or three uh, remaining, you know, uh, Secretary of Labor and some of the other positions that are open. Um, Patrick Gaspards, uh, who's up for, uh, rumored to be up for uh, Secretary of Labor, 
Uh, Patrick is just an ama- would be an amazing choice in my view. Uh, yeah, least of which is because he was the uh, deputy political director of the Dean campaign back in 2004, uh, and then went on to be a, a political director in the White House uh, for Obama, and then went on to become uh, the ambassador to South Africa, uh, where he did an amazing job. I mean, when I saw his name pop up, I was really excited about it. I hope I hope uh, Biden picks him too. I mean, they've got a lot of friends or people I've worked with and worked for, uh, but those are two that I'm really pulling for, uh, Doug Jones and Patrick Gaspards. But again, uh, I wouldn't even hazard to to guess about who the final two or three and for either of those positions are and and uh, and how that decision is going to come down. Well, the one thing that I think you called it a couple of weeks ago, it, it's pretty clear he's picking the people that he actually wants to like get in there and number one draft pick, get the job done, like best available to use a sports analogy. And yeah, his, his cabinet's looking really diverse, but it, it's also looking really experienced. It's kind of like they're all his first picks. Yeah, I think that's true. I, look, I think he there's one guy who knows how much trouble the country really is in and how challenging the next two years in particular are going to be uh, because he's been there. He was there with Obama, uh, you know, when the Great Recession was handed to them, uh, thrown in their lap uh, right as they came into office. He knows what they had to do to get those stimulus packages through to to shore up the economy, that to just stop a total collapse. Uh, we're facing very similar time now with the virus and uh, its impact on the economy. And now it's just surging beyond, you know, out of anybody's control. Uh, no thanks to uh, the f- complete failure of leadership uh, and just, just in, I mean, just craven idiocy of the Trump administration and how they've handled it. Um, so I think, look, he's putting people that he knows uh, can get the job done, that he has total and complete faith in because of how well and how long they've worked together, have known each other, or, or, or their experience in that position. Um, you know, Janet Yellen um, is exactly who you'd want at Treasury right now. Uh, uh, I think uh, 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 Blinken at Secretary of State uh, is somebody that uh, uh, Biden really feels, given what we have to do. Just, I mean, we just talked about coronavirus in the economy. Think about the repair work that has to be done uh, internationally with our allies that have been torn asunder, asunder uh, by Trump. Uh, and can they really trust us? Can they even trust Blinken? Uh, not because Blinken uh, doesn't have credibility. He's got more than anybody, uh, which is why I think Biden picked him. Um, but, but you know, it's not lost on them that 74 million people voted to keep Trump and wanted to keep doing this for four years. They got to be worried about 2022 and 2024 as much as Democrats should be worried about it. So I think right. he's picking uh, people that he believes can turn around these departments, the, 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 the horrendous morale problems that have been, you know, happen in justice for sure because of the politicization uh, uh, from Barr. Uh, the same with the intelligence community, the same with the international diplomatic community, um, plus having to have somebody at Treasury. Uh, I mean, there's just not a whole lot of ammunition um, in terms of, uh, you know, particularly if McConnell is still there as the Senate majority leader, uh, it's trying to do skinny bills. 
uh, uh, in terms of helping right. people who've been unemployed, those kinds of things. No, he, he really needs uh, somebody at Treasury who knows what the, what the hell they're doing and can help uh, in that kind of crisis. So I think, um, uh, you know, that, look, the, the reason you can't talk about, you know, hey, who are the top two or three left in these positions that are open is it turn you know, it really does turn out that there really are some really talented people who could be the next attorney general. He's got some really talent, talented choices to choose from the same for secretary of labor, the same for secretary of interior, you know, whether it's, uh, uh, Connor or, or, or Tom Udall, uh, and there are, there are others, but they, he really has some, uh, they're, they're, it's just so much talent that you can't say, well, no, I, I love Doug Jones and I think he'd be a great AG. I, I, and I do both those things. I love him. And I think he would be an incredible AG, but you know, um, if Biden believes he's the best uh, person for the job, that's who Biden's going to pick. If he thinks someone else is, I'm going to be heartbroken, <laughs> you know, next next week uh, or the week after when it when it comes out. But uh, uh, I look, I I really believe that uh, uh, it's time. I've I've said this before. Let Joe Biden be Joe Biden. He's making great picks. Uh, he knows how the the challenges that we face as a country. He's putting the right people in place, and I know some of us will be upset that. This person didn't get picked, or, or we don't have enough of this or that. Uh, but in the end, I think that's not what's driving Biden's choices. I think it's he really is trying, looking at the challenges ahead, uh, at how perilous uh, we hang on a lot in the balance in a lot of different areas, and he's building a team that can work together, uh, that like each other, uh, that he respects and trusts, and they respect and trust him. And that's the kind of government we need, given what Trump just put us through for four years. So, uh, hey, thanks, everybody, for listening to that trippy show. I hope you'll keep coming back. We intend to keep doing this uh, every Friday regularly uh, and uh, rain or shine. We're going to do it. And I think we'll have a lot of exciting, fun things to talk about, particularly as Georgia gets closer and as the inauguration date gets closer. Uh, so if you have a question, please submit it on iTunes in the review section um, where you can rate us while you're there, and that really helps other people find the show. You can also email us at thattrippyshow at gmail.com. So see you next Friday, and hopefully we'll know more about who's in the cabinet by then.